This is McLean Mannix, and you're listening to Pack Center. What up, Wolfpack fans? It is the host of Pack Center, Garrett Hirschberg, here with my co-host Kevin Finkler. It is now officially homecoming week, and we are hyped for this weekend's game against uh, the Boise State Broncos. There has been a lot of tradition between us and them in the past, I don't know, maybe eight years, uh, specifically dating back to one particular game in 2010, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's been this rivalry with us in basketball, us and them in basketball. And this is what we like to kick off, the ultimate kickoff of basketball season, as we will explain later in the show. But before we talk about uh, last week or about this week's game, let's talk about last week's snooze fest of a game. Definitely was a snooze fest. Uh, you know, Garrett, it was probably, and I'm not being dramatic, it's probably one of the worst games we've had this season. I mean, even compared to getting blown out by Vanderbilt, um, honestly, that was kind of expected. Um, and if you look at the score, if you just straight off off the score, it's not that bad of a blowout, 21-3. to um, Obviously, less than a 20-point difference. But just watching the game, watching the plays, and actually looking at the stats, it was a horrendous game for Wolfpack fans. So coming into this game, some storylines were, as we talked about, how to how to stop Marcus uh, McMarion in their offense, which somehow we did, which was surprising. But also another one of the key storylines, obviously, was Ty Ganji, and it, it was a game time decision. Coach Norvell did not know he uh, did not know he was not going to play uh, until the day of. So it's it is questioning to see that the, to the extent of his uh, injury, he does have a thigh contusion. So who knows how long he he is out. Uh, hopefully we have him back for this weekend. We we, we sure are going to need him because Christian Solano got his first start of his college career. His last start ever came in 2013 when it was like the high school state championship. So And he faced a really good defense in Fresno State that only allowed us to get three points. But one thing for sure was uh, we weren't able to get the running game going uh, to the extent we like. The passing game was eh, uh, but overall, it seems like the offense struggled as a whole, and sure that it doesn't help us when the captain of the offense is out. Yeah, no, it definitely was a big shock. I mean, it was a shock to me when I turned on the game. I was like, where's Ganji? What are we, what's going on here? And then, you know, obviously learning that Solano ended up taking over. And it's kind of hard for this kid, you know, getting his first college start, you know, against Fresno State. I mean, it would have been worse if he – did Boise State, but still Fresno State is a uh, really tough team to play against. Um, it just he had some bright moments. He definitely did, but obviously with it being his first start, he did have a lot of mistakes. I mean, three interceptions to say the least. That's horrible. Under 200 yards of passing, um, we almost under almost under 50 percent completion rate. Um, and Garrett, like you talked about, the running game never got off either, so it's not all on Solano. Solano actually did pretty well, you know, running the ball. Uh, he's a very mobile quarterback, you know, getting up 71 yards. The average wasn't really good for him with only 3.1, but, you know, Toa had a struggle of game, 26 yards on 10 carries. Moore had a really tough game, 28 yards on 6 carries. It's It was just – it was a bad game overall for our offense. Our receiving core – didn't do too hot either our defense was somewhat all right um definitely coming up with a lot of the tackles unfortunately no sacks and interceptions you know the big turnovers um they did keep them to a 21 
point scorer. Obviously, they're a high-scoring offense, so you know it's kind of at least one thing we can take away from this game is the defense actually held their own a little bit. But they can only do so much if the offense isn't there. I think we're we went back to unfortunately the point where it's either the defense or the offense shows up. Last week we had a overall good game. We both sides of the ball showed up, and then this past week we just offense did not show up. But I mean that does start with you know Ganji being out. But this team has has to be prepared for all different kinds of scenarios. You know the what's the old saying is you know one guy gets injured, next man up. The next guy is ready to go. That's why you have to be a well-oiled machine on all levels of the depth chart, not just first string, but second string and third string as well. So it's definitely a it's definitely a game that we need to sit back and realize that maybe we should be more prepared. Um, hopefully Ganji's back for the homecoming game this week against Boise. Um, we're hoping and praying for that. But definitely, in my opinion, one of the worst games we've seen this season. Yeah, this was definitely one of the worst games from an offensive standpoint. However, the defense looked really good. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Christian Solano has three picks. One, I'll give him two of those. Two of them uh, were tough passes, but one of them was at the end of the at the end of the first half. Uh, he was trying to get a last minute drive. Uh, really just threw, tried to make a throw towards the end zone, got picked off at the five, and that just ended the half. So, like, it wasn't – it didn't – that interception didn't come back to high, uh, to bite us uh, in the ass, but it, it definitely does hurt when you – quarterback can't really uh, – it struggles to move the ball, and that's something that's kind of important for the air raid style offense, if I had to say, like, moving the ball is key. Uh, you mentioned uh, Toa not being able to run, yeah. But it was interesting to see Christian Solano. He he really showed um, a a presence in there in being able to run. If we all remember, Pack fans, if we remember last year against Idaho State when Kamen Kirtan took over, he was almost running like a chicken with his head cut off, and he was trying to make plays like Johnny Manziel. But when we when we saw when we saw Christian Solano, we showed that he's a bit more versatile, mobile than a. Uh, Ty Ganji, but he's not a run-first quarterback like what we saw with Kamen. So I think it's interesting to see uh, how he gets the best of between both quarterbacks. And he did use his leg to utilize a lot of big plays. He Early on, he ran for some really big first downs on third third and medium. And so it was able. It was good to see him being able to run. Now, Lou... Now, looking at the defense, the defense came to play, especially in the run game. Now, Nevada struggled this year in stopping the run. Uh, look at what happened against Vandy, Toledo, Oregon State. Nevada, uh, Fresno State had 24 rushes for 30 yards. Yes, that's correct. Three zero yards. That They averaged 1.3 yards a carry. Now, granted, this might not be the strong suit of the Fresno State team, but it's still very nice to see Nevada doing such great things on, with the run defense. Marcus McMarion did not kill this Nevada team as he we've seen in the we saw last year. McMarion, uh, twenty to twenty eight, which is pretty good. Two forty one, uh, two touchdowns. So, but overall, I think both teams really struggled on offense. We saw this Fresno State team a couple couple weeks ago last week. Before Nevada kill UCLA, they beat UCLA handily, and then they beat Toledo handily, which was, which we obviously know what happened when Nevada played Toledo. But 
But I just think Nevada's defense did a good job of containing uh, containing in the Fresno State offense. If you are a fan of punting, you would have loved this game as both teams combined for fifth for 16 punts. Uh, Blake Cusick for Fresno State had nine punts for 428 yards. Quentin Conway had seven punts for 309 yards. So if you love punting like Pat McAfee does, uh, one, go listen to our Alex Boy special. Uh, that was really go- That was a really fun thing. And go rewatch this game. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely a punting game. Uh, Pat McAfee would be ha- uh, happy to watch it. Um, Pat, if you happen to hear this show, we love you, man. We'd love a shout-out. Not saying it's going to happen, but, you know, you never know what's going to happen. But, no, it was definitely a game where both offenses struggled. I, like I said earlier, that's one takeaway we could take away from this game is that our defense did hold its own against um, – the off uh, their offense obviously last year they just steamrolled us and blow us out you know they just uh, they had a bunch of touchdowns it was a big deficit and this game we at least held them to 21 i mean that's a lot better than what we expected i think we both predicted this game going in the 30s and 40s obviously we expected the nevada to be in the 20s and 30s with them but you know it is what it is our defense did come up um Get some good stops, obviously forcing them to point punt nine different times, which is really good. A lot of those points that they scored came off of the interceptions that we threw. Um, so, yeah, the defense did hold their own. Like I said earlier, it goes back to I think we're getting back to that one side of the ball is showing up for these games. The defense has showed up last game. The offense just did not show up. Obviously, like I said, and like we talked about with Ganji being out, that is a factor. But you have to also be more prepared as a team. I think this is something that Norvell and the whole team can learn is that no matter what, the whole team needs to be ready on game day. So if this does happen again, that Solano is ready to go or say it's another guy. You know, just making sure that there are no weak links in the chain. So it definitely one thing to take away, defense did good, offense did horrible. We need to figure th- some things out before we play Boise. It's going to be even a more tough game, unfortunately, especially with it being homecoming. Yeah, and lo- just looking at some basic numbers, we mentioned 16 punts between the two teams. Only two were returned, which was interesting to note. But even looking at total yards, Nevada 327 yards of offense compared to Fresno State's 271. Nevada turned the ball over three times in comparison to one from Fresno, which was a fumble. But looking at... Looking at the time of possession, Fresno State had the ball for 24 and a half minutes. Nevada had the ball for 35 minutes of game and still only managed to put up th- uh, three points. It got more first downs than them. Uh, Fresno State only had 12 first downs this game in comparison to 21 from the Wolfpack. Yeah, it just goes back to the fact that, you know, Solano had those three picks. Um, like I said, he did have some shining moments there, um, and it was good to see that. But. Honestly, it's kind of interesting. I think we put Ganji in that game instead of Solano. Maybe he throws two less picks. Uh, Ganji tends to throw a pick or two in the games. And I think it's a lot closer game, and we may even have a shot at the game. I think Ganji would have had some more things going on. But like you were saying, that we held on to the ball a lot more than we did than they did, and we had even more first downs. It's just when we got those first downs, Solano unfortunately would turn it over, or we'd have to, you know, we'd start really deep in our end of the field and yeah we get a couple first downs but by that point even when we come up on fourth down we're not even on their side of the field 
you know, so it just goes to that fact as well. But to play devil's advocate just a little bit, if we had Ganji, I think that game is a lot closer and we may have even sneaked out a win. You're right. And also, I think the offense flows better with Ganji at the home. Like, that, then that's that sh- we from Pac fans watching who've watched this last this offense for the past couple or, or for the last year in Norvell's offense. We all know uh, how we struggled when we took Ganji out the first time, when Kevin Kieran played, when David Cornwell, a name that hasn't been mentioned in quite some time on this show, how like the offense gets disrupted. And we saw the offense come together at the end of last year. And we've seen the offense have some flashes of brilliancy with Ganji. And obviously this injury hurts him. Now, speaking of next of uh, this week's game, Ganji is officially listed as questionable. He, at the time of this recording, he missed practice on Monday due to the injury. So it will be unsure whether or not uh, he will play. But if Solano does play, I think we have... Wolfpack Nation has faith in him. He got his first start done. He got those pre-jitters or whatever he might, like, the nervousness out. So I think that if Solano plays, I think he'll have a lot more confidence uh, coming into Boise State because he's already played a top, one of the top teams in the Mountain West. Uh, so that's only that's one part of the injury update. Lucas, uh, star linebacker and mustache aficionado Lucas Weber is doubtful as well as Adam Lopez is also doubtful. So those are two big uh, key parts of the Nevada defense that are doubtful. So I think that uh, Nevada is going to need to have players step up, whether it's uh, the Sewells, the Sewell brothers, uh, Malik Reed, who had another sack and you have other people on that D line and linebacking course step up for the Wolfpack. Yeah, no, definitely, um, especially with him being out That's or being doubtful. That's going to kind of suck as well. Um, so we definitely need some guys to step up. Um, I think it's going to go probably to uh, Malik. Malik's been having a great season yeah, Mal- so far. Mm-hmm. He's been fantastic. Um, I expect him to have a good game. Um, hopefully, like you were talking about with Ganji, that he's questionable. We're hoping that he gets back, but you made a good point that this is going to be, if Solano does start, it'll be his second start. He'll have some more playing time under his belt. Hopefully he learns from the mistakes that we had this past week that he made, and he learns from it. Obviously, Boise is a different animal, and it's going to be a lot tougher test, but it's just the fact that he'll have more experience under him. I'm not saying, oh, this is going to be like his breakout MVP game. No, it's just it's going to be somewhat relatively better than the last game. Hopefully Ganji's back. Um, We're hoping that he has a speedy recovery and he can work through it this week. Um, and we'll have to see. So, yeah, at the time of this recording, which is Monday, if you did not know, uh, no line has officially been set yet, but I do think Nevada can come into this game and beat Boise State. Boise State last week lost to San Diego State 19-16, to where the offense for Boise State was not there. Was, Boise State was just non-existent. It was definitely so, not there, and they're just such a high-scoring go- offense. You look at their past games, they're putting up, you know, 40s and 50s and 60s, except for this last game um, where they hit a snag. So hopefully, we're hoping and we're praying, we're crossing our fingers, that they have another tough game offensively-wise, but we'll have to wait and see. I think it's one thing to see. I think uh, Nevada did struggle with uh, their crowd last week because one, as we alluded to on the show last week, uh, it was the weather was awful. Mm-hmm. It was raining. It was uh, cold. Seven thirty kickoff. Uh, 
it's it's just there weren't a lot of fans there. Uh, two, it was the Connor Khabib fight, which um, was more interesting than the Nevada game, which I think also uh, by you look at what happened at like at halftime, I think that alert that uh, people were not interested in going to the game because it was such a boring game. And three, uh, I I just think a lot of people were just like. Uh, there were other sporting events on, like you had playoff baseball and whatnot. So I think that we will get more people there uh, to support the Wolfpack when they when they face Boise State. The game is at 7.30 p.m., and the game will be broadcasted on CBS Sports Network. Boise State comes into this game 3-2, and 1-1 one one in the Mountain West. Uh, they, so far, their wins have been against Troy, UConn, in Wyoming, they lost to the 24th-ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys and San Diego State. Yeah, I mean, if you, you take away that San Diego State game, um, they have a really good record. Obviously, um, obviously, they played some tough games. They played some easy games, especially against Troy. But they're definitely a high-scoring offense. Um, going back to what you're talking about on when it comes to crowd size, we're definitely going to have a bigger crowd this game. Obviously, for the folks that don't know, and if you don't know, you've basically been living under a rock. This is homecoming week, and this is the homecoming game. Um, crowds tend to go out even more for that, just for the fact that not necessarily that it's, you know, well, we might win. It's just the fact that it has, you know, the awe of homecoming. We get to find out who the homecoming royalty is, and you have all the events coming up before that, the pep rally on Friday. It's it's a chock-full week of just events, and people just get more and more excited for it. Um, whether we win or lose of this game, I think crowd attendance is going to be a lot. Um, it'll be good for the football team to see the crowd show up in full force. Um, I believe the weather is looking pretty nice for the weekend. Um, I could be wrong. That obviously could change in the next couple of days because it is weather, and it's changing every minute. But definitely expecting a higher turnout this game than we did have this last game. So, folks, definitely come out. It's homecoming. All you alumni, all you fans in Reno, it's definitely an experience you want to come back. Alumni, if you want to come relive the glory days, this is the time to do it. Homecoming is one of the best weeks for you guys. And students, freshmen, if this is your first homecoming week, welcome to the fun. You're right. You mentioned some good points about homecoming. Let's make sure, let's make Mackie rocking uh, like what happened in uh, 2010 uh, at the end of the season. Uh, let's give uh, some Boise State fans some uh, some awful flashbacks uh, of uh, their kicker, Kyle Brosman, missing uh, two kicks that could have ultimately sent them to a national championship game. But he missed, and... Uh, Ever since then, it's something that Nevada fans like to keep in uh, keep to bringing up in conversation with uh, Boise State Boise State fans. But with that being said, we are gonna jump into a uh, a, a new segment. But before before we jump into the break, we just want to give a quick reminder to all of our fans and listeners: Boise is not a state. They play in Idaho, and we're just pointing out the logistical facts. Oh, yeah, definitely. There's only 50 states in this country, folks, and Boise is not one of those states. It's simply just a city, folks. It's not, this is not Idaho. That is just Boise. So first, get over yourself on that. Second, blue is not a color that should be on a football field. I don't care what you are. 
football field is green and white with white stripes. It is not blue. So first off, get out of there with that. And third, yeah, you guys missed those two kicks, so haha. And with that being said, we'll take a quick break and then jump into basketball season. back from break and before we jump into the main story of basketball segment along the same lines of men's basketball with a dynamic coach in Eric Musselman women's basketball has I think their coach of the future in Amanda Levins now we all know the story Amanda Levins was hired last year and did such a phenomenal job in in her first season taking this team to the C, uh, to the WBI, but also making it to the finals of the Mountain West tournament, losing only on a buzzer beater, and with with this impressive season, Amanda Levin secured herself a new five year contract. Now this is such an interesting move because this was only year one of a three year contract for Amanda, so it was interesting to see her get an extension this year. But, but why not? Why not next year? Entering when when she's done with two years of contract, entering three years. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting move. You usually see those contract extensions, you know, obviously next year. The timeline of that. Um, I think it's the fact that the university was so thrilled with the first year and how well she did with the program that they definitely want to lock her up. Uh, I think it gives a sense of confidence to the coach that the university is backing her a full one hundred percent. Um, and she doesn't have to worry about her job and going through contract negotiations. Obviously, the university didn't want to go through that because sometimes those can be long and vigorous and end up cro- uh, causing tension and problems. Um, so the, the university definitely did want to lock her up. Um, the reason why she probably did it is, uh, again, a sense of confidence, uh, security, and stableness when it comes to coaching so she can focus on the team and keep having the success she's been having with this team. So some details of this whole negotiation. Uh, Athletic Director Doug Newth said the new contract reinforces our belief in Coach Levins and her effort to build this to build the women's basketball program into a championship program. Uh, Coach Levins is just getting started, and we can't just and we can't wait to see what the future holds for this program. Now, looking at what the detail is, the five-year contract is worth one point nine million dollars through the five year making her the highest paid coach of any women's program in nevada history in the new year she'll earn two hundred thousand dollars in year one and then receive an additional ten thousand dollar bonus each year until the salary caps at two hundred thirty thousand dollars for year for for years four and five uh now should levins resign from her position at any time the buyout is $550,000. Now, this is all uh, information that is provided to us at on NevadaWolfpack.com. So if you want to read anything, 
uh, go ahead. Uh, we talked at the end of last semester, we talked to Timo, one of the star players, about Coach Levens. Make sure to go um, go listen to that before their season starts. But and and I think it's great to see that Nevada is re resecuring their faith in uh, Amanda Levens. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, definitely, the players are happy about this. They love their coach. Uh, they're happy that she's here. Um, it's interesting to see that um, she is the highest paid women's coach in Nevada history. Um, that's definitely something good on the forefront of you know paying these coaches, especially the women's coaches, as much as the men's uh, coaches. Um, that's definitely something we're seeing in sports um, now, especially if you always look at you know the WNBA and the NBA and people talking about you know well why aren't they getting paid the same? Um, so it does start in the college level. So this is one step forward to um, decreasing that pay gap that we always talk about in society. Um, it's definitely great to see that the players love her and um, want to play for her. Uh, that's something we see with Musselman. I think the university is seeing not something completely similar with the men's program as they are with the women's program, but they're definitely seeing glimpses of the two being very similar. So they definitely want to cash in now and lock her up um, before. And obviously if she resigns that buyout, uh, that would be very unfortunate, but uh, still they put that in there just in case to incentivize her so she can still stay. Um, definitely just an all-around good deal. Um, definitely interesting that they did this early and definitely excited to see them play this year. Now this is now something to note. This is Amanda Levin's first full year with recruitment. Her staff uh, can be able to now recruit because – because before it was taking over from the old regime, like now Amanda Levins is truly getting into her own, uh, her own way of basketball. We saw this with Musselman, uh, sure, like with Musselman when he took over, he was taking over a bunch of players, uh, from the previous regime, and he made it work. Now look at what Amanda Levins did with players from not only her recruiting class but her new. Uh, from the old recruiting class, or from the old player, from the players who were here, the, they did well, and I think that this team can be better than they were last year. And then I think they could ultimately. We saw last year they were one or three minute span away from being in the NCAA tournament. I think this team can reach that mark uh, that they were last year and go further. I think this team is going to be really fun to watch, and they should play a good brand of basketball. Now moving forward to the story we were we know you guys are looking forward to we alluded to this earlier in the show with it being homecoming that means that the university is trying to go all out with their sporting events and that is just what they are doing with the most anticipated team on this campus probably since 2010 football with Colin Kaepernick Brandon Marshall Virgil Green uh, and a bunch of other pro athletes now, one thing is set that is on Thursday, October 11th, right after this, the day after this show goes live, Nevada Basketball is hosting their annual Silver and Blue scrimmage. Now, this is taking uh, place, or this is uh, taking over for Arch Madness for the past couple of years. This is a student-only event that will be broadcasted on NSN, uh, Nevada Sports, and a few other channels. I'm not sure what other channels. But this is a student-only game, Thursday, October 11th, as I alluded to. 
5.30 to 6.45 in the Virginia Street Gym. Now, before you ask, Kevin, this is something different than the throwback game. The throwback game is against University of San, Fr- uh, San Francisco State. And reading reading the sign, uh, the poster, it says, be there, be a part of the run-out video. The band and, che- band and cheer teams will be there. They are giving away free Del Taco with a chance to win a 50-inch television. Hashtag more than a game. So I think Nevada is go- doing everything to, one, this is the first time fans who did not watch the Pro Day will be able to get uh, get to look at this team. And I think what Nevada's doing here is what you see a lot of college people doing. I know I've seen from other people, uh, they go to like big time basketball programs. They do the thing like at midnight where it's like where you introduce the team, there's a quick, there's a scrimmage. And so you get the fans acclimated to who's playing on the team. So, and I think this is a great move. Oh yeah, it's definitely a great move. Um, it's definitely it's something not new, obviously, because they've been doing this for years now since we've been doing March from the Arch. Unfortunately, this year that's not what we're doing. We can get the university could not block out Virginia Street to get March from the Arch down. So it's kind of disappointing not to go down to, uh, down Virginia Street and see them put up a hardwood floor and have them play basketball right there uh, outside. Um, but it is going to be interesting to see it being played in the Virginia Street Dream Gym. Um, I know it's not the throwback game, but it is a little bit of throwback, especially with that being such an old gym and such historic and such history for the university. So it's definitely going to be good to see that. It's like you touched on, it's going to be our first chance. If you didn't go to the pro day, which a lot of people didn't, only media, obviously Garrett was there. Um, you'll get to see Jordan Brown actually play for the first time, and you'll get to see these players actually mix very, very well. And we'll be able to see Caleb and Jordan and Cody Martin all back on the same court since about March-ish when we ended up Yeah, mid-March. Mid-March since we lost to Loyola. You know, still a little bit salty about that. But um, definitely it's going to be a good sight to see, you know, basketball being played. We'll get our first uh, – shot probably of the adidas uniforms as well being actually in person so that'll be interesting to see as well so it's really it's an exciting week homecoming with the homecoming game that's always exciting um but this definitely is something that's going to be packed to the brim that's why they're making it students only they want to build new traditions on this campus especially with the virginia street game so this is one way of they're doing it so it's definitely going to be a really good game uh, students definitely come out. Freshmen, if you don't know about this, this is a really fun event. Please go out. Uh, it's just another event of homecoming that you're going to want the experience for. Now, I think that I think with the new wave of freshmen, we are building the new wave of fans. Uh, as we have mentioned, most of the people who probably announced their decision to come to Nevada announced it uh, around March-ish if they uh, – I think that's when most people announce where they're going to schools. Uh, it's been it's been a while for me, but, but I think with that being said, I think uh, a lot of people watched watched this Nevada run through the tournament, and so I think the people who are coming to school here are now hyped for the basketball team. I know you you said you are hyped, uh, being this is your only your second year. But I think I do think that you you will you will have a good mix of upperclassmen and then freshman sophomore. I think uh, Vir- well, obviously Virginia Street, the Virginia Street gym will be packed, and I think this is such a cool event that they're putting on that it's only for students because 
there's we never have anything like this. Marchman or Arch Madness, as it's called, was a public event. One, it, the weather's starting to turn, so it won't be as cold uh, as if we do this event outside. And also, it's like this is like a different event. Like what Nevada is doing to promote this event is absolutely ridiculous. And when I say ridiculous, I mean it's 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 in a good way. So the way that they're doing it is there's the blue and silver teams. The captain for the silver team is Jazz Johnson. The way uh, the the blue team is captained by uh, Nizre Zuzwa. And the way that they're going to be uh, choosing the teams is based off uh, like what the NBA did this past year with the uh, with the All Star team. And so they're gonna. It's just going to be chosen. Uh, I don't know how the draft order is chosen, but who goes first, Caleb or Cody Martin? Oh, that's a. That's a def a difficult thing. The way that the way that they'll decide between Nizray or Jazz who gets the first overall pick should be determined not by that, but by a shooting contest because both those guys, both Jazz and Nizray, are smaller guards who can shoot. So I think I think that'd be something that's cool, or uh, maybe have them try to do the best dunk. I don't know, but things that have been advertised for this event as well are a three point contest, a dunk contest, and I think. That with it being in the Virginia Street Gym, I think uh, a lot of people are going to be very excited for this event. I think I think there'll be a waiting line for this, like for just trying to get in. Because oh, definitely, it's going to be blocked all the way off to the dorms. I mean, we're going to have kids probably lining up right all the way back to Great Basin Hall, you know, trying to get in. Um, obviously, I think a lot of the older crowd is probably going to be there first. So a lot of the upperclassmen, uh, some of the freshmen, obviously don't know about this, so you know, it's no fault of their own. But once they see the lines, they're eventually going to get in, or try to get in at least. Um, and it's definitely going to be a packed event. Yeah, so the doors open at 5 o'clock for this event. Make sure to get there early. Lines are going to be absolutely ridiculous. You already know, uh, you already know some alumni are going to try to sneak in uh, to, to watch this team early. And I think this will be a great event to get people Great, get people acquainted to who the new faces are. Sure, uh, you might see them because they're all taller than everyone, than uh, the, most of the general public, but it's it's going to be nice to put a face to the name. A lot of people here were excited about Jordan Brown when he signed here, so I think it's going to be a good thing to see him in action for the first time. But I think I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what the teams are, like what are the strategy when you come to coach, come to drafting these teams, Obviously, I think Caleb and Cody are going to be picks one and two. But after that, what way do you go? Do you go Jordan Caroline? You go uh, Trayshawn Thurman? You go Trey Porter? You go Jordan Brown? It's a, it's going to be an interesting to see how the draft goes. Now, whether or not the draft will be available online is yet to be determined. For that, just follow Nevada Hoops on Twitter. And you follow us, we'll probably retweet it. But it'll be interesting to see how the teams are. And it'll be to see like what extent this event is because as we alluded to, it is only an hour and fifteen event. Yeah, definitely, it's going to be a short event. It's going to be a short game. Um, I'm I'm hoping you know how Nevada Hoops usually does it. They'll probably do something on Twitter where they either live stream the draft and go you know make it a little bit humorous. Um, but definitely that is that is a big question. Is obviously Cody and Caleb are going to go one two, but then who are you going to pick after that? Um, and 
talking about the event. The event is definitely going to be short. Um, I know they you were mentioning and that they were talking about doing you know a three point contest, a dunk contest. We'll have to see what they do with that. Um, I think regardless of whether it's a short event or not, it's going to be an amazing event. Uh, it's going to be fantastic to see all those guys back on the court together and with the new faces of you know Jordan Brown. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a really good event. Homecoming is going to go off without a hitch. It already started, has. So, um, students, if you're listening, definitely go to this game. And, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And this is only, from the time this event happens on October 11th, that means that it is only 10 days until the first preseason game against Washington. And I think that has a lot more excitement around this campus. I think I think uh, basketball engagement is going to be start buzzing around campus more than football is because – Obviously, basketball is more more an exciting more exciting of a game than basketball is, or than wait, basketball is more exciting than football. I was about to say you kind of have those two backwards. <laughs> it's it's no it's no offense, obviously, football fans. You know, uh, the football team don't don't get us wrong. It's just it's just it's facts that basketball games run a lot faster. They're more in high intense and more a lot more action going on. And unfortunately, football fans, football team, Norvell, Ganji, all you guys, this is basically kind of your last week um, to have a lot of hype, especially with the homecoming game. Because after this, it's going to be all basketball. I mean, heck, we've been talking about basketball for the past couple weeks. I'm already hearing, starting to hear talk around campus about basketball, but I've been hearing that since last year. But the talk is getting increased over these past couple of weeks. And it's just going to keep going up, especially when we have that preseason game against Washington. That is going to be a fantastic game. Um, obviously, the scrimmage we got here on the 11th is going to be really great. But obviously, we're just playing ourselves. Um, so it's going to be good to actually see us, you know, give somebody else the ass whooping. So uh, clarifying what I stated earlier about the scrimmage, it will be streamed live on the Mountain West Network it will, after the event, it will be aired on Nevada Sports Network. And then at a later day, whatever, however far in the future, sometime before between here and March Madness, it will be aired on CBS Sports. So I think that is very cool. There's not a lot of programs that uh, do this. And I just think it, it, the, way, the way Musselman and, the, and his team handle social media is absolutely uh, incredible. Oh yeah, definitely. That's one uh, we've talked about on the show several times. That the the way they use social media is unbelievable and has led to the exposure that we have as a team. I mean, you know, we were talking about you know, a Muslim's wife has you know, a background it, in is sports back, broadcasting. Background, yeah, background in sports broadcasting, so she knows what's up. Uh, Muslim maybe is just getting directed by her. We don't know, but we we're kind of sure that Musselman's got, you know, a little PR bone in his body, you know, type thing. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to PR, obviously. And they hire a bunch of people. The university is starting to get on this bandwagon that you see a lot of other universities having a very uh, characteristic um, social media accounts and using that to their advantage. And we're at the forefront of it. You know, the basketball team is kicking butt when it comes to social media because not only are they kicking butt on social media, they're also backing it up and kicking butt on the court. Yeah, and looking at the way that um, – looking at some preseason awards, we know the season's just under a month away. We're, we're too excited. But uh, it recently came out that 
Dick Vitale uh, of ESPN uh, gave his list of preseason all-solid gold primetime performers, PTP, as he says, and Caleb Martin was on the first team, which is good to see. It's great to see Nevada, your school, your your alma mater, uh, get national recognition, uh, especially from guys at ESPN. Like, we know Scott Van Pelt loves Nevada, and it's good to see that other people at the company are loving uh, Nevada and so that when we do get games, they are hyped up, uh, especially when they're not at home. There is hype around the country to make sure – Oh, Nevada's on. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn that game on to watch to see how this team will do in March, and so I think that's one thing that's great uh, to see. And before we go, uh, I just want to give a congr- uh, congratulations and a good luck to Cam Oliver, who is partaking, who signed with the Trailblazers for the preseason and training camp. We hope you make the roster. It'd be really cool to see another Wolfpack player in the pros. Uh, He's he's been doing okay, not getting the a lot of minutes. But Cam, we just hope you utilize all the minutes you you get. Yeah, definitely. Good luck, man. Uh, we're all proud of you down here in Reno. We're ecstatic that you're trying to give it a shot in the pros. Um, we wish all the best luck to you, man. Hopefully, you get signed on for the rest of the season as well, and you get a spot on that roster and get some actual playing time. You know, in the NBA, it's always great to see another, uh, you know, another Wolfpack. You know alumni going over there making a statement out there um and hopefully we'll be having a few more in the coming years follow you so maybe you know one day you're playing against uh, playing against you know cody and caleb that you know you guys can get a shot together and relive the glory days a little bit yeah and that with that also adding uh if any former nevada athletes want to come on the show to talk with us hit us up uh we're always willing to to chat with uh people who represented the pack and with that we are signing off for today's show any final thoughts the only thing i got is students definitely come out to these games we just talked to you about alumni uh faculty and students again come out to the homecoming game this weekend it's going to be a lot of fun participate in the events um go to how fest go to the scrimmage go to service palooza go to the homecoming pageant go to the game do it all just experience it alumni come relive the glory days of the campus and the college i know a lot has changed since you guys left but we still got some historic and old things for you and relive it so definitely let's go out let's uh try to you know sneak a win out against boise state even though they're not a state for the last time we're going to say that and yeah go wolfpack remember remember students uh, silver and blue scrimmage game is Thursday. Be there. It's going to be loud. It's going to be great. And then remember, let's keep that same energy for Saturday night. There's nothing better than a night game at Mackey. When when the crowd is humming, there's nothing better. Like, it is loud. And let's let's relive, or let's, let's bring back some memories. I'm sure the athletic department will bring back a few highlights uh of the 2010 game but with that being said uh we will see you guys next week randall gets the call courtney randall another first down clock stops with 42 seconds to play it'll be first and goal chris peterson all that talk of the bcs Title game hopes, Rose Bowl birth. 
Could Nevada tie this game? Put the pressure on Boise. Send it to overtime. Clock is running. First and goal. I don't like the way they managed that time. Not at all. A lot of time went by. Remember when it stopped wow. at 42 seconds and now at 21 and you can see the disgust in the face of a Hall of Fame coach. This Kaepernick to pass. Matthews unable to connect. The coverage came from Brandon Thompson. That leaves 17 seconds. Well, and you know that as a defensive back now, you know they have to play clock at two. Steps up, airs it out, looking for Titus Young. Did he catch it? Diving catch with one second to go. Unbelievable. He's Superman and Velcroed it. How in the world did he pull that off? Kellen Moore, his own miracle. Titus Young answers the prayer. We talked about his arm strength. He's a better thrower than last year. He gives Young a chance. Active scoring leader. Black special team player of the week. A senior. Now it's time for Brotsman to deliver. This from 26. is turning into a disaster for Brotsman. He misses from 26 what could have been the game winner in regulation and now in the first overtime he misses from 29 and Nevada will have a instead it is Martino Win in program history. Mighty Boise has. 